Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and as many of you know, that uh, for over two decades now, I have annually attempted to write a personal version of a State of the Union address. It's never been an endeavor to, to write what the sitting president, Democrat or Republican, would or could or should say to the nation. It's just simply my version of a message. Uh, so here we are again. Uh, we got a new year, a brand new Joe Biden administration. America faces significant challenges, extraordinary opportunities in my view. And so this year's message, which again is not a State of the Union, it's a presidential speech before a joint session of Congress, uh, and it is unique in that it will be delivered to uh, a chamber, a House chamber that is half empty. And so let me just restate uh, for those uh, who have already jumped to uh, confirmation bias or hyperpartisanship or instant certainty, uh, which will cause them to, to miss this. Uh, I am not suggesting that President Biden would, could or should deliver this speech. It is the State of the Union from this perspective of one guy with an opinion and a microphone. And so here we go. Um, to my fellow Americans, of course, uh, we're gathered in the people's house in our nation's capital to have a conversation about the state of our union. From this house to your house, wherever that might be in this great nation, I remind you all that I am here to talk about the state of the union, not the state of the government or the state of politics. The state of the union is stronger than we think. The American people are more powerful than we suppose, and we the people are more united than many politicians and pundits are willing to proclaim. So why is this the case? To me, it's about fear. When Franklin D. Roosevelt, Roosevelt delivered the famous line, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, there were actually many foreign adversaries that really were worth worrying about in the world, and yet FDR said we shouldn't fear them as much as we should fear, fear. And today, many Americans are living in fear, fear of the uncertainty of the pandemic, racial unrest, economic unheaval, injustice of all kinds. All of these, I believe the American people are prepared to defeat and overcome. What we seem more fearful of is losing power and control. And we have to remember that fear fosters timidity and creates a climate of avoiding real debate about real issues. Functioning from fear causes us to demonize those we disagree with and hunker down in our bunkers of self-validating social media bubbles. From Washington to the Wasatch Front, politicians seem to be teeming with this timidity about asserting and applying the very principles they profess to believe. A lot of politicians are afraid of their own shadow when it comes to promoting or voting on principles and policy. This kind of fear is bad for the country, and it's horrible for our communities because it leads our elected officials to actually spend more time spreading fear about their opponents' views than making the case for their own. 
This is really evident in many of the current non-debates we're having in this country about infrastructure and education, health care, tax reform, and the national debt. So we're going to start with some questions tonight. Are, are Republicans really so uncertain about their oft-proclaimed principles of free markets, local control, and fiscal responsibility that they can't put forward and share what they're for when it comes to these policy issues? Can they only defend and be against? Now, before the Democrats jump in with a big amen, uh, the Democrats should likewise remember that they spent the past four years in an out-of-power, fear-driven, defensive crouch. Now they're back in power. And they fearfully retreated to the often deployed, we have to pass this bill so we can find out what's in it. The kinds of things that passed the Affordable Care Act and the most recent spending bills without a single Republican vote. Both sides, both sides should bring their members to the table for a brave, authentic, honest, and open debate about the future of our country. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell are two of the most powerful people in Washington. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of losing power and their positions. And there are far too many on both sides of the aisle that fear the same. This fear of losing power is at the heart of not only the policy debate debacle in Congress, but it is an impediment to every meaningful debate we should be having in America. Too many elected officials have become enamored with the idea of power while abandoning the power of ideas. Fear always leads to white-knuckled, tight-fisted, clinging on to power in some sort of zero-sum game. Confidence, on the other hand, enables an open-handed and welcoming invitation to explore the possibilities. It doesn't mean we have to agree. We have to take the risk of facing fear. Instead of looking fear in the face, many politicians spend their time casting fear and aspersions on their opponents. They're not putting forward their own ideas. The bravado, the bombast are just cover to distract us from their fear of losing power. So if the Democrats really are for helping those in poverty, shouldn't they evaluate every government agency and program to ensure they are providing real results that actually make poverty temporary instead of tolerable? What are the Democrats afraid of? And if Republicans really have compassion for those struggling on the street, shouldn't they evaluate what government can and should do for those that are suffering while taking on things like corporate welfare and their own out-of-control spending habits? What are the Republicans afraid of? Uh, there are countless other examples uh, of things that we should be talking about, but we're just afraid. And as citizens, what are we afraid of? We complain and criticize elected officials for staying too long, and yet we send them back at a rate of 94% each election cycle. Our votes are validating bad behavior out of our own fear of losing power. Kipling said it best, of all the liars in the world, the worst are your own fears. So it's time for a change in our country. The test for the American people is to quit believing the lies of fear. We have to challenge our political parties and political leaders to demonstrate behavior that lives up to what they profess to believe. It is time, as a nation, to look fear in the face and act together. I firmly believe the State of the Union is strong. 
far more strong than those in power want us to believe. Our people are more powerful than we suppose, and the State of the Union is stronger than we can imagine. Join me in creating a more confident future without fear for every citizen and for the United States of America. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us today. And as always, as you go out into the world, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.